You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Behrens, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Behrens, 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Tactical Kitchen Show, episode 100. And it's take six. This is take six. We've had some computer (laughs) problems today, so... (laughs) We had recorded like seven minutes, and then it just quit. It died. The computer crashed, and we were like, wow. And then I deleted it, and we couldn't use it. (laughs) I told her. I was like, well, just pick up right there. And she said, no, let's start all over. It'd be great. I couldn't really get back into the groove. Yeah, so we took a break. We made some coffee. We got a snack. You know, fun stuff. It was downloading something, and it wouldn't do both. We use GarageBand. It takes up a lot of energy. Memory. Or whatever. Whatever. So, hey, we've been gone for a while. Yeah, we have. A lot of stuff has happened since we last uh, talked to you guys in December. It has. We've had some family tragedy. We've had some snowpocalypse. All these different things. If you follow us on Instagram, you probably kind of know what's been going on. Um, we lost my mom at the on the day after Christmas. So that kind of took up... There are some loud cars out here. Sorry. Um <laughs> But that took up, you know, quite a bit of energy from me, and that that was, you know, everyone, everybody goes through this. This is this is life. Life is a, a tragedy for the most part, and and people pass away, and and um, you know, we had to deal with that with her mom. But luckily, we were there for the majority of the time. We were everyone. I have three siblings. We were all there. Um, we all had the opportunity on Christmas. To have a lot of the grandkids, um, most all of the grandkids and great-grandkids were able to come and see her and talk to her. And then um, she just said, my goal is to not ruin Christmas. <laughs> and she, So anyway, that's what happened. Yep. And you learn a lot during those times. You gain a lot of life perspective, if you will. Right. Um, there, there's also some some diet things that we took out away from that experience that benefited us. Yeah, I think the big thing was we were over at her house for hours a day for a couple of weeks and just like all day long. And we realized that, wow, we didn't have to eat all day. We could wait until we got home that night. We weren't shaky. We weren't jittery. Um, you'd go and grab us coffee down mm-hmm. the road and then... We just kind of floated along through the day doing what we needed to do, and I didn't have to think about eating, which was really beneficial in a stressful time. It is. It's, it's one less thing that you have to worry about, and uh, it, we even talked about uh, you know the way we ate before. Uh, you know, you'd go to the day, and if you if you had to skip a meal because of whatever, had you would get shaky and and you wouldn't feel good, and you would really you you got hangry. Oh yeah, I used to get such low blood sugar issues that I'd feel like I was going to pass out. Yeah, so so not, not having to deal with that takes some stress out of an already stressful situation. 
And if you're new here and you hear a train, it's probably not on your end. That's our train. Yeah, we've got all the noises right now. We've got the uh, the cars driving by our house, and now the train's coming through. But hey, you know, again, that's life. You deal with it and you move on. That's what we said. It's the keto train. That's what we usually call it. But <laughs> um, it always waits until we start a podcast. Yep. So we've dealt with a lot uh, <clears throat> since the, the last time we talked to you guys. Um, you know, the, the main thing being uh, Melly's mom passing away. And again, that gives you gives you perspective. You take a step back. You reevaluate your life in general, and you know you you just try to keep going forward. Yeah, and um, you know we also had the snowpocalypse here in we, Texas. We did. I'm sure everybody heard we had snowpocalypse. And we were able to also kind of skate through that pretty easily. Not that we skated through all the other things easily. That was really hard. But the snow ended up being not that big a deal for us. Thankfully, I know so many people lost power, lost water. I just attribute it to, like, we live in an old house in a small town, and no one cares about us. (laughs) (laughs) But we were were prepared. um, And again, talk about the way we eat. We were able to get enough food to last us probably about two weeks Mm -hmm. to fit in our little refrigerator and... We didn't have any issues with that. But luckily, we have gas, so we could have cooked with inter- mm-hmm. with electricity or not, so it wouldn't have mattered. I think if as long as the gas stayed on, we would have been just fine. Yes. If, if it had gone off, we've got a big fire pit, we maybe could have made a fire outside and still cooked in the freezing cold weather. I don't even know. People do it. Yeah. So it could have been done. We would have been fine. Um, the scary part was that if I'm sure everyone who has not been under a rock knows that we were really close to losing the whole grid here in Texas for months. That's what they say. That's what they say. I'm not buying their guff, man. Like, yeah, fear, the, fear, fear, fear. The, the <laughs> people that managed uh, electricity in Texas screwed up royally, and then they try to say that, hey, they saved us from something even worse. To me, that's just shifting the the, the, the narrative. The focus, yeah. yeah. Um, but we, we saved you. We saved you. Uh, but we did well. We were, we were one of the lucky ones that kept power and water, so you know we can't complain about that. No, we were we were good. We were able to take water to kids and people who needed it, so we were very fortunate and blessed. Now, every, as time. everybody should know, I'm a survivalist, okay? <laughs> uh, everybody should know this. So when people were struggling with all this stuff going on, it was very frustrating for me because I, I was like, why weren't you prepared? Anybody, if you have a house, even if it's in the negative degrees and you have a a structure that you can be inside and then you can be inside another structure, inside a structure, you can live in negative temperatures in a tent very easily without any heat source. Right. I wasn't worried at all because I live with you. So I was like, we'll be fine. You know, we had one thing I did do is when they started talking about power outages, I got up one morning and I ground a whole bunch of coffee. Because I was like, man, the last thing that we would need is to lose power, and they were going to be in there hammering the coffee no, beans, trying no. to break them up. We were good. I thought about it. Dad, who lives next door, has a hand grinder. Oh, he does? He does, yeah. We're safe. So we're saved. Yeah. We would have even worked up a sweat doing that. Now, I have been in places on military exercises where um, somebody went out and bought coffee for the exercise, but it wasn't ground. It was beans, and we didn't have a grinder. And we've we've done that. We've smashed them with hammers. Uh, we've ran it through a paper shredder. We've, yeah. done, we've done all kinds of things to grind up beans to make coffee. There's desperation. No, it, it gets really desperate. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I did do that because just in case. Well, it just made it life easier. I knew we had coffee for the week. It was already ground, and we were ready to go because we could boil water. That mm-hmm. was not a problem right? as long as we had water. But I had so many jars and and containers of water sitting around the house just in case. It looked like I was doing some sort of voodoo ritual Mm -hmm. with all these water jars. I don't know. It just reminded... I was like, it looks like I'm doing voodoo in here. (laughs) So... So we survived. We did all those survival things, and it was kind of it's kind of fun for me. It's kind of fun because uh, it challenges your your skills to make sure everything's still sharp and uh, up to speed. Well, my daughter and her husband lost water for more than a week, and when I said I start the when the snow melted, and I said, "Oh, I already miss it, miss it," she said. Shut up, Mom. I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> I was like, I get it. I get it. Because we had to take them a whole bunch of water. Yeah, so. we, were, we were hauling water over there for them to uh, to use for all their purposes. And she was like, can you can you just wash someone in deodorant? So, I mean, we're starting to stink. And I was like, y'all can come over and take a shower. But anyway. Yeah. So it was definitely interesting for about four or five days in Texas, for sure. It was. And we survived, like yep, we said. We did. So, uh, so you know, we, we dealt with that kind of stuff. Um, we've also still been working on the book. Melody's got that pretty much all finished up. It's all done. I, it's hands-off for me now. I'm completely finished. I've done all edits. I, and now it's their problem. <laughs> it's the publisher's problem. <laughs> I'm very excited, though, because... It was, that was a real challenge. I, I I know we've probably already told this before, but I thought it was a scam email mm-hmm. when I first got it. And I'm glad that we kind of looked into it a little more and had the opportunity to do this. And it all worked out just in time. I finished all the writing and the first edits right before my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. So I was we were able I was able to be free and kind of clear. For that whole time right before she passed. And I still was able to get all that done. And I know what she would have said. She would have been like, you're still going to be here and you need to finish that. That's (laughs) what she would have told me to do anyway. So she was kind of bossy. I miss it. Well, she was one of those people who, who spoke her mind even if you didn't want her to. Yeah. She was going to tell you what she thought uh, straight up. So yeah, it was, it was always fun to be around her. The, The biggest thing that I know people have said about her is that she was sassy and classy. And I Mm -hmm. was like, I just hope that someday I'm remembered as sassy and classy, (laughs) you know? Yep. So some some other things to talk about. We got we got some you know big things. We got some little things. So one goofy little thing that I would like to bring up real quick is something that I did was um, I over electrolyted myself. I don't even know if that's a good grammar. I, it's probably not. Like but good, it, if that's my grammar wasn't even good just then. So I don't know if that's good grammar or not. But I'm using over electrolyte. So here's so. what happened. Okay. So anybody <laughs> who's ever had a mouth ulcer. Okay. I used to get these all the time before we went keto. Uh, I'm literally probably one every every month or two. I would get a mouth ulcer. They last about two weeks and they're extremely painful. Well, here's what's interesting. I got I get fever blisters, and so when my mom was sick and about to pass away, I got the fever blister during all that time, and then right after you get the ulcer. I think we just internalized a lot of stress. I think so as well. It's it because it, it, they are stress related because they you know it's usually a sign of your your immune system has been slightly compromised. Mm-hmm. So uh, I haven't had one in years. So I got one. And it's very painful to drink water. If you ever had one of these, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. So what I found 
out was it was not painful at all to drink water with electrolytes. Yeah, we used the Ultima Replenisher. So we used the Ultima Replenisher. So basically, uh, I drank the same amount of water, but I put electrolyte in every bottle of water I drank. Again, I didn't know he was doing that. <laughs> I do things. <laughs> and and I did this for only a couple days. Yeah. It, it was only a couple days, and I got the whole thing under control and went away. But what happened was I started having weird heart arrhythmia at night when I went to, when I was going late to, to lay down to sleep. It was like so off that it was keeping you from sleeping. Right. Anybody that's had that understands that when you lay down to go to sleep and if your heart is off where, where, it, where it beats, it goes to dunk, to dunk, and it stops and it starts back up, it's really weird. Uh, or it beats really heavy. Like one night, it felt like it was in my throat. It was beating so heavy. And so what I, essentially what I did was I got too much of something. I'm going to probably say potassium. I don't know what it was. I can't put my finger on it directly, but I got too much of something. Yeah, you were just off balance. Right. And off a lot balance. of people would think they would wake up or, or be awake and think, oh my gosh, I'm having a heart attack, which you shouldn't ignore these things. But because we've done other prelim- preliminary type testing, like the car- uh, coronary artery calcium scan and blood work and things like that, I wasn't worried about a real heart issue like any blockage or anything like that i knew you, as soon as you told me what you did i knew what was going on you were just out of balance right and i've had this before but it was a lack of something before not too much of something right well and it could have been that it could have been too much potassium not enough sodium because you just get off off balance or you know and, and this was during the snowpocalypse as well mm-hmm. so um you know we i wasn't working out and that was the other thing that we that we kind of uh, tied it to was I wasn't sweating. Right. I wasn't working out hard for a duration of time. So I was not able to, to equal myself out. So what I did was I just, I cut all electrolyte drinks until it, it balanced itself back out. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to do that. You have to cut everything out and get back to a baseline. Mm -hmm. And what was crazy was the Friday of the snow apocalypse, it got up to like 32 or 34 and we were outside in short sleeves, like it's so warm because the sun was out because it had yep. been like negative seventeen. Yep. And we were outside working out, and I was like, "We're gonna be fine. You're yep. gonna sweat. It's thirty two. It was. It, I think it was thirty eight degrees. Oh, and did it get up to thirty eight? Yeah, I went out there. We were both in shorts, and I had my shirt off because it it just felt so warm after you know the negative temperatures we it, experienced. I know that was crazy. So people who live up in snowy areas are probably laughing at us right now, but we're not used to it. Yeah, yeah. We'll, yeah. We'll, we'll laugh at exactly a week later it was 80. Right. Come here in July and August and we'll talk <laughs> about who's tougher, I guess. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> when so, it's 110 and 90% humidity. Yep. So, so the, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, we had the snow apocalypse. I called that the electrolyte debacle. Yeah. So, I, I like your name. Yes. I, I like to name things. It's fun. Right. So uh, we got through that, which was good. Now, uh, some other things we've you now moving on, kind of get a little more current, like stuff we're doing now. Okay. You can talk about what you're doing right now that is kind of forced a bit. Oh, uh, well, okay. So the snow affects cows and their milk productions, milk production, which affects heavy cream production. So we go to a dairy, and we've talked about that before. We get our milk and our cream and all that from a local raw milk dairy. And when we went this last week, um, 
they didn't have any cream and they didn't have any cream the week before. So we've been going on like rationing a little bit of cream. And then I kept saying, oh, well, we'll get it this weekend. We get there. There's no cream. And I asked the uh, guy who milks the cows, I was like, do y'all, are y'all going to have any cream? And he said, oh, the cows didn't make enough milk for us to separate cream. And I was like, oh, no. And then the stores <laughs> don't have any cream. So I'm drinking all of my coffee black, just black. And I used to do that all the time, but it's kind of forced me into this little more strict intermittent fast, which I've been wanting to do. Be careful what you ask for. So <laughs> You did this. I did this to myself because I kind of wanted to experiment with this. And I used to do this all the time. But I got used to having the fat in my coffee in the morning, and you get real comfortable with it, and you get your body gets used to it. And so for two days, I've gone two, you know, mornings with a strict, a stricter intermittent fast with just black coffee and water and salt, and and also walking. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll get to that because we're going to talk about activity, and um, so that's kind of forced my hand with cutting back on some dairy. I'm still having milk because we could get that. But I'm not putting anything in my coffee, and I'm looking at upping activity, and of course that's going to pull back my energy consumption, which you might call calories. We just call it energy intake. But there is there is something to that. If you want to drop some weight, you're going to have to you're going to have to put out more than you take in. It's it is true. Mm-hmm. And we've we've so and we've also been doing that. We've been trying to increase our activity, but not at a intense rate. Right. So we've been been gradually adding miles. So something that, that I've probably never done in my life is track how many miles I, I walk, run during the week. Um, so we've been gradually increasing our mileage, and I've been doing it by – we started off walking. We've been walking for a couple weeks consistently, and then I, I added jog to walk. So I would jog for a while, then walk, jog for a while, then walk, and, and gradually increasing our mileage by the week just to see how that affects body fat. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not running, so I'm doing other <laughs> things. But I do the walk in the morning because that's a time. And I, this is what the one big thing we want to talk about today is how you approach any type of lifestyle change, whether it's carnivore exercise, um, you know, any type of dietary change or lifestyle change that you're trying to make. This is if you have an addiction. This works for everything, how you approach it. If you look at, like if we looked at, oh, wow, we want to get in eventually 50 miles in a week. Well, if I said that to myself right off the bat on Monday, I might be a little bit intimidated by that number. And I might not reach that goal. And then I might set myself up for failure. So you have to have a goal. But what I have to do today is then look at how, how many miles can I get in today? How many miles can I do? Will I do? And just take the one step at a time. And that's kind of how, you know, what we want to really talk about today is your approach to any style of change. Right, because you don't want to overdo it. You, you, don't, want to, you don't want to go full throttle and then get injured or, you know, uh, get demotivated because you're not making your goal. So you want to, want to start where you're at, basically. You know, our, our base has pretty much been three miles. Mm-hmm in a day and then we're just consistently growing that number every day and sometimes you know maybe getting three in the morning and then adding maybe one or two in the afternoon right and what I was going to say is I use that time to try to learn something not everybody wants to do this but it's my time to 
download a podcast and try to learn something new during that walk, especially if you're running and we're not walking together, I'll take that time and try to learn something. So it's still a productive time, or you can use it as just a quiet time, which I do that periodically too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's really good using it as a quiet time. Uh, sometimes it really helps, but you know, sometimes you want, if you're jogging and trying to be motivated, music helps you get going. Right. It's a, that little bit of extra motivation. But what we're kind of, you know, getting towards is don't overwhelm yourself with everything you want to do. Focus on the one thing that you can do right now and take it one step at a time. Don't get paralyzed by so many things you have to do. Well, it's like when somebody wants to go carnivore and they approach us about that. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that, you know, it becomes very overwhelming because there's a lot People feel like they're giving up so many things. And really what we like to focus on is just focus on your next meal. What are you going to eat when you eat next, when you're hungry? What are you going to have? You know, are you going to have a burger with cheese? Are you going to have a burger with bacon? You, whatever it is, eggs, sausage, just focus on that one meal. And then focus on the next meal when it's time to eat again. And it takes out all of the overwhelming, I can't have all these other things. Because, you know, you're just you're just being a little more incremental in your change. One meal at a time. Mm-hmm. But well, and, and also think about those what those little changes are going to bring you. You're 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 eating for health now. You're not eating for fun and you're not eating because you feel like it. You're eating for health. And that's a completely different way of looking at food. Well, it's the thing that I have all my clients do. You need to ask the food what it's doing for you. Mm-hmm. What are you doing for me? One of the big things we noticed during uh, the whole you know, snowpocalypse was how many people, they weren't prepared really. They didn't have food in their, in their house, and mainly because they never eat at home. Right. People don't cook at home. They don't eat at home. They eat out all the time. And then when this happened here in Texas, everything was closed. Like you could, you couldn't get food anywhere because people couldn't get to work. Yep. So, and there was a, there was a couple things on the news of, of of a McDonald's that was open or a Whataburger that was open, and the the line for the drive through was hundreds of cars. Chick Fil A would have got them through real fast, <laughs> but you know anyway. So, but you know, that is true. A lot of people just don't ever eat at home. And I think that, you know, that's a, that's a kind of a United States problem as a whole. I don't know about other countries, but we have become a fast food nation. We've become a drive through culture. Yes. And, and what that caught a lot of people a few weeks ago was they didn't have enough food in their home to survive. Well, they thought, I'll just call Uber Eats. I'll just call Uber Eats. Or DoorDash. Well, they can't go nowhere. They can't get there either. And they can't go if they're closed. Right. So that caught a lot of people off guard. And, mm-hmm. and hopefully that wakes them up to what they need to be doing. They need to, you know, prepare prepare more meals at home and have that food readily available. Right. It's really important to, to do that. But a lot of you guys, you already probably are doing that. And, you know, it was just, I don't know, the last few weeks, we haven't gone out at all. We went out for our first meal out. On Saturday, we went and got barbecue, which is typically what we do. Or every now and again, we'll go get breakfast. And I have a story here. Oh, are you talking about your... I have a story. Oh, here we go. So when we're talking about going out to eat, and we're talking about how, you know, if you're trying to live this lifestyle, your whole purpose is you need to be in control of what's going into your food, what your food is, and what you're consuming. 
Well, when you go out to eat, you don't have control over that. You don't know often what the oil is that they're cooking with or they're sauteing something in or scrambling your eggs. Well, that I already know. But then there's this thing that happens to me where I feel good for a really long time and I'll say, well, it comes with sourdough. Okay, I'll take that sourdough bread. I'll eat that. Sourdough is probably good, knowing that it's probably not even a real sourdough because it's at a restaurant and they're cheap. So for for several weeks, we've gone out for breakfast once a week, and I've had the sourdough. And I have, like a few days later, I'll have the itchiest legs. They'll get all bumpy and itchy. And, they'll, and you know what I'll do? I'll be like, it's probably that dry-aged meat that we get from the butcher, it's probably a histamine reaction. (laughs) How many of you guys do that? It's not the bread, definitely not the bread. It's probably the dry-aged meat, you know. Yeah. (sighs) Well, that's just, I mean, everybody goes through this. Well, and then we didn't, what I noticed is we haven't gone out, like, for weeks, we haven't, several weeks, probably a month almost, we haven't gone to breakfast. I haven't had any itchy spells. I had one last week. But I isolated it so easily because I know I eat the same things pretty much every day. And I used some UCAN starch for my workout because I was doing extra heavy stuff. And that night, my legs started itching like crazy. And now I know I really can't have the UCAN starch. But I was... It's you can't. It's you can't for me. (laughs) And, you know... It was easy for me to isolate it, but eating out, you know, your body is just being bombarded with a lot of weird stuff that's not even food, especially in the form of oils and margarines and things like that. Even when you think you're eating what is, is food that is appropriate for your diet. Oh, yeah. Because you do not know what happens in that kitchen. I mean... If you go and you just say you get eggs and bacon or eggs and sausage, and you're like, hey, this is totally carnivore or keto, I should be good. But then you have issues. You don't know what they cook those eggs in. No. And it's it's typically, if you're most restaurants, it's not going to be butter. And so, you know, you're getting those industrialized seed oils or whatever in your diet, and that causes a lot of problems that we don't really recognize associated with those oils. And that was me. And I do, I do this for a living, and it still happens to me. And I still blame the wrong foods periodically. <laughs> so if you're doing it, you're, we're in the same boat. We're the same. Well, you know, and that's just the best example that this is a journey. And you're, you're, you're probably never going to get in a spot where this is what I'm going to do, and it's always going to work, or you're never going to get off track and have to come back or, or realign your goals or, you know, what, what you're focusing on. It, it's continuously changing. Even for us, and we've been doing this for six years. A long time. <laughs> you know, really focused on this for probably a solid six years we've been uh, doing this, and we still make those mistakes just like everybody else does. Right. And that was like, I guess, my big, I don't know, when something goes away and you feel good, you, you forget about it and you don't notice it. And then just the other day, I was like, I haven't had an itchy, like, skin spell in a long time. And I've been eating the same meat that we always get. And, hmm, that means it was that sourdough bread and probably the oils at the breakfast place. 
oh, my life. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. I can. I can go get barbecue. That never bothers me. Right. Barbecue always works. Um, one of the things that, you know, along the same lines that, that you know, increasing your mileage, that's a, a big thing for me because I used to run quite a bit. Now, if I increase my mileage too much or too fast, I have negative feedback as far as my joints go. So um, that's what I've been doing now, trying to be smart about this time of year, uh, starting to increase the mileage, not doing it too fast or too hard. Yeah. So that's where the jogging, walking comes in. Even if I feel okay, like I could continue, you know, I could keep going, I still make myself take those breaks, especially the first like three miles. It seems like the first three miles, I have the most issues. And if I just kind of take my time, and then after that, if I start ramping up the jogging consistently and not stopping, it feels okay. Well, you know, that's a really important thing because, like, you were were having some pretty, you know, tough issues for a little while with running. And now you can get out, start increasing mileage, and you're doing it smart and... A lot of times what we do is we, we want to do everything at once. And it goes back to that, let's just do one thing at a time mm-hmm. and get it get it nailed down. Well, also, I had the back issue. Oh, yeah. Trust me, back. And I had my neck issue. Oh, see, I forgot about that. Yeah, so so that's been kind of kind of the same uh, you know time frame. And they both go back to electrolyte imbalance. Because you pulled something, mm-hmm. right? Okay, I forgot. I totally forgot about that well, my, my neck had been hurting for a couple weeks it was really stiff it really hurt to turn my head uh, you know I just think I thought I had gotten it from from just sleeping mm-hmm. not, not sleeping well this is also the same time frame that I had the uh, you know the, the mouth ulcer and then I over electrolyted you were a mess and then I was a mess and then I, I bent over to put something down and I tweaked my back so this all happened in the same time and and looking at them you know when they happen you know by themselves you isolate them and you're like oh my, my back, I'm, I must be weak, or my neck, oh, I must have tweaked it. But really, it all kind of happened around the same time frame, and it all goes back to I was off. I was, I had an imbalance, and that's why my neck was hurting. That's why I pulled my back. That's why I had uh, a mouth ulcer. So, but you have to fix all those things, right? So I, I, I fixed my back, which means I just I went back and focused on on working my hips, mm-hmm. being more more specific about working my hips to take the pressure off the back. I've been doing more of kind of upper body face pull type exercises to to make my neck stronger so it doesn't have issues. That's gone now. Mm-hmm. So, But all those things took me a couple of weeks to get out of. Well, and you had plenty of time to relax during the snowpocalypse. Oh, my gosh. I, I think that was a problem. Yeah. I, f- I felt like it was, too. We just had so... We couldn't go anywhere. Right. We couldn't, we couldn't do much except for shovel snow. Now, we did a couple of home workouts. Mm-hmm. I think we did two or three... Uh, you know, home workouts where you know, we just in the living room, we had some weights and we just did probably a 10, 20 minute, you know, hit type exercise just to get the blood flowing. Right. And I, I broke mine up for, you know, a couple of times a day just because, you know, trying to get that blood flow going where normally I work out twice a day mm-hmm. just to do it, get that kind of pumping twice a day. While sitting around, not doing, not having a lot to do, you can only clean your house so much. You can only do so much organizing. Oh you my know? gosh! And, and that that a week like that can completely throw you off of your program. It's so weird how when you don't, when you can't do anything, like you know, because of weather situation like that, how you can have all the time in the world and still do nothing. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, it's that so is frustrating. such a great example. Uh, you know, I, when I was, you know, my last couple of years in the military, I was a operations superintendent of a squadron and I was so busy. I'd, I usually got to work about six and I usually left about six every day. And I would, the first thing I did when I got to work is I started writing down everything I had to do that day. And I would e- easily come up with, you know, 10 to 15 items that were critical, had to be done that day. And I, I wrote them down because I was also going to get shotgunned with the the drive-bys all day long. Mm-hmm. So and so you've got it you get your drive-by task and then you got to refocus on the task you know you have to do. And it seems like you, you got so much done. And then there's days where you have nothing to do and you do nothing. And you have all this time where you could be doing all these extra things that could be done and you're just like, well, you know, whatever. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't and, know what happens. And I, and I know that I have that tendency to do that. So I just try to be a, a little more prepared. Like during the, you know, all the snowpocalypse stuff, I made a list of, of house things that I need to do uh, to shore up, uh, you know, just to make sure the windows are a little better sealed. Uh, you know, the attic works better. I got to replace the, the gas valve on the furnace. Just simple things like it, that. Is your list like, does it roll out like a scroll across <laughs> the yard? Because we live in this old house. There's so many things to do. Yes, there there is so many things that we can do to an old house. The, the list just never ends. Nope, but instead I'm going to go deadlift outside just a little bit instead <laughs> of doing anything to the house. So right. that's my plan. Well, uh, I think that wraps it up for today. Yeah, we're having some computer glitches, but yeah, whatever. we're just we're wrapping it up because it just froze again and we had to restart. So it's yeah, great. It is great. Super exciting. Um, one thing coming up will be information about the book when it comes out. Should be late May, early June, and it is called the Carnivore Diet. It's a six week meal plan for autoimmune disease and weight loss, and we're very excited about that. And then um, also some group classes probably coming up in the near future on beginner carnivore. Mm, Fun stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up. We really appreciate you guys being here. Uh, Go out there. Have a great day. Eat fat and prosper. Thanks for listening to the Tactical Kitchen. Hit subscribe and leave us a review. And visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.